Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I am Serial and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto and my pronouns are he, him. So today's episode is episode 37, Artabanus II, who might be the guy from last time, but I don't think so, so we're going with my semi-informed opinion. What am I, a real historian? No, I can just say it is. This is not why anybody listens to our podcast. No, and if you are, then just, I mean, <laughs> thanks, but maybe read the sources. Yeah, it might be like a good overview, just to have a bit of fun with the topic, but you should probably read some scholarly papers. Yeah. If you're going to write a scholarly paper. <laughs> yeah, that's good idea. So yes, today we have our Tabinus 2, which is a dude who may or may not be his father. Uh, it's complicated. This is so helpful. Wow, thank you. Yes. If you'll remember, listeners, last time we went through Artabanus I, who was a brother to Mithridates I, the good king, and we weren't really sure who he was exactly. We decided to go with one theory that I prefer, but other theories are available. But that sticks us with Artabanus II for today's episode. So... Just to make sure everybody is vaguely on the same board, I'm going to recap what happened last episode so we can figure out what's happening now. Hooray! I'm sure our listeners will be very grateful that you're recapping what they probably just listened to. Yes. <laughs> if you're binge listening, well then, you can skip the next few seconds. Otherwise, listen ahead to remember what happened last week. Alright, so last time we had that Artabanus I was the uncle of Phraates II, brother of Mithridates I. He was an older gentleman who was chosen by the Parthian nobility to deal with the multiple crises that were going on at the same time. Lovely. Everyone's yes. favorite job assignment. Here, Pretty take much. this burning empire. This is your problem now. Bye. <laughs> yes. So Artabanus made peace with the Saka in the east, Saka nomads, paid them a bunch of money to please go away, we're busy, don't hurt us. <laughs> then he went all the way west, where he fought with Hispi, or Hispausines, to give him his real name, who was the king of Karakine, who had conquered Babylon briefly, but Aratabanus managed to go in, retake Babylon, retake Mesopotamia, and then... When everything was very fragile and we didn't want to touch anything, he just died to make sure that he didn't mess anything up, and then we're saved. And that leads us to Artabanus II, who is his son, and is the guy we're going to be covering today. Also, for the messy family trees, I'll be putting it up again, <laughs> the same one as last episode, but just in case it's too confusing, you could just press the link in the description of the episode and that'll lead you to a nice family tree where you can say, ah, yes, this is who all these people are. I love that you say that as if it's going to be helpful to look at this family tree and not absolute chaos regardless. But, you know, at least it's something to look at. Yes, it's not absolute chaos anymore. It's more relative chaos. So better than before. All right. So let's get into Artabanus 2. Well, to start with, according to the historian Justin, he is the same guy as Artabanus 1, but Due to a difference in coins, we are stating that he's just a younger man, a different man, the son mm -hmm. of Artabanus I. Okay, so Artabanus I finds himself in the position that his father died to avoid. Everything is 
sort of stable, but it could break at any moment. So, what's happening? Well, Artabanus realizes that in the East, the money is still going to hold for a while. In the West, he still has to deal with Hispi and the kingdom of Elamais, which had rebelled under Phraates II, so a while ago. So Artabanus decides, okay, fine, I'm going to consolidate the West, make sure everything is in order, and then I can deal with the East after the money runs out and people start chasing me again. So off he goes. He gathers up his father's armies, which were in the area already, already retaking Babylon, and he decides to march against Hispi in Karakine. How well do you think this is going to go, Serial? Uh, I do not have much of a reference. Did we just lose against them? We just kicked them out of Babylon. Okay. So they've retreated to their own kingdom, essentially. Well, I mean, I don't know. Depends how their army is doing, right? And compared Mm -hmm. to ours. We're both, like, halfway through battling, so it's not like we're newly, oh, we haven't had a war in ten years. Yeah, no, this is... (laughs) So Not I don't, honestly, I don't know how we're going to do. <laughs> well, we're doing surprisingly well. Apparently, hey. Hispi's armies had been weakened enough by, you know, taking Babylon, losing Babylon, that sort of thing, that Artabanus manages to march into Karakine and Hispi surrenders. Hispi says, okay, fine, I'm going to pay you tribute, be semi-vassal to you and in exchange you don't burn my homeland because I need it right now. And Artabanus thinks, yeah, great deal. Great. I love this. Yeah. We have an extra vassal paying us money as opposed to somebody raiding our countryside. That's an advantage. So, okay, great. Artabanus is satisfied with his first victory. He's done a reasonably good job with that part of the west. So he turns his sight to the other vassal kingdom, the kingdom of Elimais who had become a vassal under Mithridates I and then made itself independent under Phraates II, so, and eh, back and forth, a bit messy. So Artabanus decides to invade Elamais, and apparently their mouths were bigger than their armies because they cannot give up a successful resistance. Uh-huh. Artabanus runs through the countryside, sacking several cities, capturing a lot of temples filled with the gold that Antiochus III died to try and get. Ah, finally. Yes, Artabanus doesn't care. He's going to just burn the temple, steal their gold, because next time you don't rebel. Yeah. We're off to recently, like, honestly, a really good start. I am impressed. Yeah, we've managed to win two wars. And Artabanus is also very proud of himself, because he takes all the gold from the temples, melts it down into coins commemorating his victory, and he stamps them, Susa and Ekbatana where Susa is the capital of Elamais, and Ikbatana is essentially his capital for now. It's sort of central enough to keep an eye on the west and the east. So, okay, good job, Artabanus. You yeah, did a impressed. wonderful plan. It's at this point that Jessica arrives, tapping Artabanus on the shoulder and says, Uh, sir, remember the nomads? Yeah, we paid them off. We had a deal. Yeah, there's different nomads now, and we don't have a deal with them, and they're raiding the east. Do you mind coming over and maybe stopping them? So Artabanus sighs and decides, fine, the West is reasonably solid. Let's go to the East and try and break these new nomads, whoever they are. But, well, 
that leads to the question, who are these people? Where do they come from? What do they want from us? What's their deal? So, there are people called the Yuezhe, at least according to the Chinese sources. I see. So they came from the east, right? They've come from the east, the okay. eastern steppe, yes. Because it's not like we haven't had more steppe people before. No, but we <laughs> used to have the Saka that have yeah. always been there, but these are new people. Hmm. They're nomadic horse people from the steppe, as we've seen before. That's nothing too new. But they can be two people. They can be either cousins of the Saka that we met before, just the ones that lived a little bit further east, while other ones think that maybe they're from a different, more Mongolian family Mm -hmm. of nomads who have sort of migrated more to the west. But in any case, it seems that they had been known by the Chinese for a long time because we have records, Chinese records of them since the time of Darius the Great back in like episode seven or something. So it's been a while, but they're still around. These people are still there. Mm -hmm. Oh, also just a cool thing that I found in my research that is irrelevant, but I thought it was cool, is that apparently the Chinese sources say that the Yuezhe kings are succeeded by their wives, not their sons. So I thought that was fun, you know. You don't see that often, but it's cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, it's fun. Nice. Not something you'd expect, but cool. But okay, so let's get to more modern times from Darius the Great. So we receive news that between 174 and 165, the Yeju lived in about the modern Gansu province of China in the northwest, the empire. And there we receive news that they were attacked by the Xiongnu who are another group of nomadic people who are possible ancestors of the Huns. It's an old theory that some people are doubting, but maybe, you know, they're a very powerful group of people right now. And yeah, so the Yuezhe had some conflicts with them in the early 200s, but since the Chinese Empire was born, then the Xiongnu couldn't just easily attack them anymore, because it's a big, strong empire now, Mm -hmm. so they decide to attack their neighboring nomadic people. So Yuezhe are being hit quite intensely. Oops. So now these poor Yeju are just forced to abandon their homes, so, well, they migrate west to try and find somewhere new to live, because they don't know where to live now. As it happens, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they move in west, and there they encounter the Saka people that we've been meeting so far, and the Saka people are pushed west again, are pushed into the Parthian Empire, and these are all the attacks that Mithridates and Phraates had to deal with, mm-hmm. and this is what we've seen so far. At this point, finally, we have that the Yuezhe come into contact with the empires that we've known. So first of all, they encounter the old Bactrian kingdom, which was mm-hmm. a semi-vassal to the Parthians. They were around. And the Yuezhe just charge through it and absolutely annihilate all of that kingdom. Damn. And make sure to Goodbye, take it I for guess. themselves. Yes. Yeah. Bye-bye, Bactria. It's gone forever. Oops. It was nice seeing you. Have fun in India with your remaining kings. Mm. Yeah. Some Chinese travelers tell us that the north of Bactria was fully Yuezhe territory. But the south apparently was more mountainous and had a lot more Hellenistic cities. So they sort of maintained semi-independence where, like, each city would have a deal with the Yuezhe. Please don't raid us. We'll give you money. Yeah, we've seen this before with other empires, right? Yeah. It's a pretty typical arrangement. 
And yeah, it looks like these many cities arranged to give tribute to their nomadic overlords, <laughs> and in exchange, they survived. So that's nice. This is a fair exchange, I guess. Yeah, it or, could be worse. Or, you know, it might not be fair situation, but at this point, you are alive. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. So yeah, so now we have that Artabanus has to deal with two different groups. He has to deal with the Saka first, the ones that his father paid off, which are sort of mellowed out, but, you know, if there's a chance for easy plunder, they'll mm. take it. And the Yuezhe have just destroyed Bactria and are still hungry for more, so they're going to move into Parthian lands and try and take it. So Artabanus decides to march eastwards and try and deal with these pneumatic threats. It looks like the Saka weren't attacking directly, but sort of shadowing the Yuezhe, trying to take what was left and trying to infiltrate the area a little bit more and God. dig deeper into Iran. That's so terrible that, like, imagine being at a city or a village that just got absolutely destroyed <laughs> yes. by the Huajie, and then there's other people come back like, ha just kidding, give us the rest, okay, bye now. <laughs> yes. They took all our gold and silver, now the Saka are here for all our copper and bronze. Yeah. Damn. Why? All we have left is cabbages now. I hope there's no third group of nomadic people coming to take our cabbages as well. My cabbages. <laughs> Yes, that is the constant scene that has been going on for the last couple of decades. Oh so, not ideal. And while Artabanus marches east, he wants to ensure that, again, Iran is only very recently Parthian. We don't want it to be gone just because the nomads have shattered it. We've seen under the Seleucids how easy it is to destroy a whole section of the empire if they remove communications from it. So, let's avoid that. So Artabanus marches to the east, and he finds that apparently the Yeju have marched into Parthia proper. What used to be the old kingdom of Parthia that Mithridates started from, that one is being raided now. Ooh. So that's not a good picture. Heck, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good look to have. Also, how much do we care? I mean, where the tombs of your ancestors it's are. close enough, right? Yeah. basically media borders Parthia, and Parthia is being invaded. Media is where your capital is, and if you lose media, you lose contact to Mesopotamia. And Hispi is just waiting for you to show weakness to take Mesopotamia back. So, things are dangerous. Yeah, because I was like, okay, it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long, so I assume we still care about like where we come from, right? Yeah, I mean, it's important both symbolically and strategically, because it's like in the middle of the empire, it's connecting the yeah. east and west. So if you lose that, you're either going to lose the east or the west of your empire, or both of them. Oh, heck. So yeah, that's not great. It's not a great situation. Also, it's been only, like, six years since Mithridates I died. So, eh. Things are very dangerous. So Artabanus gathers his armies, and in 123 he marches against the Yeager, and he does a reasonably good job to start with. Oh, good, good. He manages to first retake Parthia and marches even a little bit further into the bits of Bactria that had been occupied. But that isn't really saying too much because they're steppe nomads. They're not going to wait for a pitch battle in a nice line. They're going to run away until they find a convenient place for battle that they've chosen, and then they're going to attack you. Yeah, of course, because that's why they're successful. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, exactly. It's just smart. Playing into your strengths. Yeah, and the Parthians are used to this sort of tactics because they've used them effectively previously, but, you know, countering them is difficult. This is why they're extremely effective. It has to be frustrating to be like, I know what you are doing, and goddammit. (laughs) I know what you're doing, and I know why it works, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Damn. And if anyone knew what to do about it, then it wouldn't work anymore. Yeah, and also, this is in their territory. The the whole point of retreating is that they're retreating their homeland. Yeah. So that's where you don't know the territory, but they do, and it's well-suited to their armies. Yeah. So, eh. so Artabanus goes into Bactria, tries to find a place to pin down these Yueja nomads. But at that point, he is attacked by them in an ambush. Ah, uh, heck. And according to Justin, I quote, he received a wound in the arm of which he immediately died. What? We just got started. We can't be dead already. (laughs) Yes. Presumably due to a poisoned arrow or something, Artabanus was shot, died, in autumn of 122, leaving the throne to his brother, Mithridates II. Umberto, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to cry. (laughs) My bro. Crying is the goal. Huh? What now? Well, what now? I mean... I'm sure it's going to be fine. We only have the East being absolutely open to nomad invasion because our king just died. The West is full of people who just want to take over when we're weak. And now we are weak. Our army's been destroyed. And now we have a young teenage king. I'm sure it'll be fine. I am... Uh... Huh? Oh, well, I guess tune in next week. We're not even rating this guy. Um... This time, we just tune in next week to, like, see everything burn. Our podcast is over. Thanks for following us this long. There's no more Persian Empire. Okay, bye. So are we done? Like, that's it? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, I, Come on, man. Just... Uh, what is going on? Well, that just means that I have more time to go listen to the song Queen of the Kings. That reminded me of, you know, our Shahanshahs at Eurovision, because Queen of the Kings, you know. But yeah, so it's going to be very difficult for Mithridates 2 to have to deal with everything. We'll see next week if he makes it, or if everything burns into flames and we're screwed forever. Yeah, nothing bad ever happened with a teenage boy king, you know. That's no always good. Always like Antiochus the... Second, right? Tech is the third, but yes. The third. I always forget. I thought the third was the one. But yeah, yeah. No, the fourth was the one with the circle. The third was the one that the Romans ruined. Yes. Ah. I mean, he might be a new Antiochus the third. Who knows? I don't know why I doubt it. We'll find out. (laughs) Well, we'll see if your pessimism is going to be rewarded or if the optimistic crowd is going to win. But yeah, so Serial, are you ready to rate this most impressive of monarchs? I, I sure. Your <laughs> choice that of is the words correct is noise. Funny. Yeah. Okay, so our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Being shot by a poison arrow I mean, and dying anticlimactically. Honestly, weird that it was like immediate death. By yeah, a I mean it was arrow? pretty intense. Like. Especially being shot in the arm, you're not gonna... Like, yeah. it might hit an artery or something, but a pretty intense shot. 
Yeah, I don't know how... If he was immediate death, then, like, I mean immediate. I'm sure it took, you know, some time. The quote says still. immediately. There was no latency time. Well, that the cannot be, death right? possible. It was like an Achilles situation where he was just shot in the arms, like, ah, my one weakness. <laughs> well, that wouldn't even be immediate because you have time to speak. I guess, True. like, I imagine Damn. him on a horse and then the arrow pierces him and then he just, like, falls limp. As if it had been through the head, but no, it was through the arm. So, that makes no sense, my friend. But, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, here, I like the death in battle. I like the detail of the arrow hitting his arm. It's not the most impressive, but, eh. I'm thinking a three. It's A three seems fine. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing too incredible, but fair enough. Okay. So, with a three and a three, we get a three out of ten for final moments. Our next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? He did a reasonable Apparently job. Good, yeah. Except yeah. he did die in battle. Yeah. But also that means he was in the battlefield, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's always nice to see a guy fighting his own fights. But yeah, to recap his military record, he managed to defeat Hispi and force him to give tribute. Always good. Yeah. Managed to go into Elemais and sack and pillage everything which you know cool presumably he defeated their army we have no record of it but it's unlikely they would have just been yes please pillage us yeah oh we love it we love it when you come by and pillage (laughs) oh my god yeah would you like some tea or something like (laughs) it's so nice to have you back so that was probably some sort of victory and then marching to the east he managed to retake parthia from the yeager which is good, Damn, but yeah. also they were probably just retreating anyway to get to more favorable ground. So how much can you really credit him with just reoccupying land that was abandoned? Uh, like, eh. That's, uh, yeah, okay. That's a fair mm. um, concern. Yeah. And then, well, he died in battle trying to yeah. defend his borders and now his borders are wide open. Yeah. Now we are in trouble. Like, that's the thing, yeah. right? <laughs> We are very much in trouble. Like, it was going well in the sense of we were making things better, and then we made them worse. Yes. Also, mild spoilers for history and geography, Ah. but there is a region in eastern Iran called Sistan, which used to be called Sakastan, because it was the land of the Saka. Ah, I see. So, that'll give you an impression of how things go. So Battle Hardness is, I guess, gold star for trying, and... I mean, better than some other kings we've had, excuse you. Oh, definitely. We've definitely seen worse, but... Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think a four makes sense. You're on a four. I'm... That's what Frati's the second got, which... Uh, I think I'm hmm. slightly lower. I think I'm gonna go four, three. I was actually wondering between three and a two. I think two is too low, three is fair enough. If you want to go for yeah. a form, go for it. But no, I... no, no, no. Actually, that makes sense. Because I didn't know we gave that to Fratis. Yeah, because Fratis managed to defeat Antiochus the Seventh's army yeah. and fight. And, you know, he did a reasonably good job. That's Artabanus fair, that's fair. did okay, but I'm not as impressed. So you're matching a three as well? Yep. I think that makes sense. Okay, so three out of three gives us a six out of 20 for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulation? No idea. Maybe. I, I don't know. We have no clue whatsoever. 
he did nothing of note in scheminess. So, zero it is. Yeah. Zero and zero. Zero Do out of 20 Do we just not have many sources, or...? So, we're not in the Dark Ages yet, but we're, like, in the poorly lit ages, mostly. Because <laughs> we have, like, one source that is a summary by Justin from a real historian who's actually good. Mm. And that's it. And I then see. we have, like, some vague mythology. I mean, it's not exactly... Myth- is it mythology, or... I don't know if you could call it i'm not sure if it's exactly mythology but it's folk traditions of iran which are eventually codified into the shahnameh but that's like a thousand years later where it's just been passed by word of mouth so it's not exactly the most accurate stuff you just get a general vibe that oh no we're being invaded by nomads this isn't great mm-hmm. but that's also accurate to most of iranian history so who knows yeah, turns out that territories get invaded all the time. Yeah, especially if you're Iran and you're like in the middle of Eurasia yeah. and everybody's gonna pass through there. So. I always yeah. found it very interesting that the Middle East is always an area of turmoil all the way up to obviously the present, but like all the way through history because it just geographically it's in the it has of to the be east. yeah like it there's no way like it's just unlucky for or very lucky depending right if you're the one controlling it or not but like unlucky for the just common people living there that there's always going to be something going on because it's just geographically important <laughs> yeah like that's just uh it happens to be in a good spot in the map I mean, the good side is that when everything is going really well, you're in the center of all the trade. The bad yeah. side is that everybody wants all that trade. Of course, yeah, <laughs> so that's you're the thing. kind of there. But yeah, we're going to be able to take advantage of it eventually, but not yet. Yeah. Then our next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? He sacked some temples in Elamis. That's kind of shocking. It's not huge, but... I think it's worth something. Because, yes, they rebelled, but, you know, sacking temples is always a bit frowned sacking upon. Sacking temples is never a really good option, yeah. in my opinion. You could have just sacked civilian cities, like a normal yeah. person. Not temples. Like, if you choose to sack temples, that sends a message about you, right? Yeah, you're not saying everything is fine, I will respect your gods. You're saying, I own your gods, and give me yeah. their money now. you guys. Yep. Yeah, truly. So... Yeah, I think Shock Factor, token one for sacking temples. Like, it's fine. It's not reported that he's especially brutal and yeah. murderous. It's just saying that, bit of a dick move, but it's working out somehow. So, I'm gonna stick with the one. How about you, Serial? Yeah, I don't see many, like, shocking reasons in the rain in general. Fair enough. So. Okay, so with a one and a one, we get a two out of 20 for Shock Factor. Our next category is Eren Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general, and Iran in particular? Okay, so let's recap his very long and storied career that we'll surely struggle to condense. Mm-hmm. So he took the throne from his father, who had kept everything sort of stable. He managed to get Elemais as a subject, Karakina as a subject. Good things. Mm-hmm. He terribly failed to hold back the nomadic tide and now the east is wide open concerning yes also an army has been lost in the east so the west is feeling oh really there's nobody around to tell us to stop that sounds Uh great tasty yeah 
so the gains he made are not too terribly long-lasting, and the losses he made are uh, an existential threat to the Empire. Uh, right. Uh, Fun. like, I want to recognize that he did good, but also I want to recognize that Mithridates has a hell of a job in front of him. Yeah. So, Oof. yeah, I'm... He did do some good, but... Yeah, um, that's... I guess maybe a four or a five? A four or a five? What have... I forget what we give other people. <laughs> Every time you react that way, I'm like, am I wrong? I don't know. I mean, you're free to give what you want, but my idea is that a five is that you've had a relatively long reign where everything was stable. You give a five to Artaban as the first... And let me right. see who else you gave it to. Artabanus the first, Diochis, and that's it. You gave a six to Cambyses and a four to Antiochus the fourth. Just to give you a vague idea of what's around a five. Oh, pff, yeah, no. Then like a two uh, or a I, one. Yeah, I was thinking like yeah. a one or a two. I think a one because the loss in the east is very bad. This is our second king killed in a few years in the east. And eh. these people have destroyed Bactria and are coming for us. <laughs> this is not a good time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a one. What are you going with, Serial? Yeah, I'll go for a one as well. Well, I don't know, because what do we give people who do terribly and actually, like, no good to the Empire? I mean, no good to the Empire is like a zero, like Alexander Balas just got yeah. zero because he sucked and did nothing <laughs> useful in his life. Or Antiochus the child got zero because he just failed. He was a child. Also, Seleucus the second got a zero because the Seleucid Empire was just burning up entirely. So there are many different types of zeros you can have. It could be you didn't even try. It could be a you tried but everything failed. It could be a you're Alexander the Great and you just turned everything to ashes where we had a nice empire before. It depends. Are you thinking of going for a zero for him? No, that's why I was asking, because I'm like, well, there's people that did worse, because at least yeah. he did some good, so it, it can't be the lowest. No, I, th I think a one just because of the West was nice. If it was just the West, I would have gone for like two, three, but the East collapsing is bad. <laughs> bad, yeah, bad news. I feel like a one feels right then. Okay, that works. Thank you for giving me some extra data to play with. There we go. So, with a 1 and a 1, that gives us a 2 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? Well, uh, give me a moment to choose one snippet of his riveting life and all of the information I've been given to <laughs> portray. Yes. Try and condense it all into one. Usually I'm like, moment. oh, what scene am I going to choose or what aspect of this person like did I find the most interesting or the funniest or the mo And now I'm like, I he, j he we barely started and he's dead. I don't know. Yeah, he was there. I don't know what to do with that. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. Let me pick it up and I will describe it to you all. So our tabin is the th Ooh, I like the vibe. Let me Thank you. Ooh, this is ooh, 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 strong, very good. Okay, so let me describe to you what is happening, dear listeners. So we have, well, the only scene in his life 
which is him getting hit by an arrow in the arm and dying. We have a horse, which is clearly not very happy. Its tail is flailing, it's black and white spotted, which is very nice. And the horse is whinnying out, screaming in terror at the fact that it's in a battle. And then in the middle, we have Artabanus dressed in his long pants, long shirt, a diadem. He is nicely bearded, and we see that there is an arrow sticking out of his left arm, a big circle pointing it out, pointing the fact that he is dying, which is also matched by the fact that his head kind of looks very skull-like. He has the big... Shadows, you know. He has the big teeth. Eyes are shadowed. Very, very cool drawing, Serial. Thank you very much. <laughs> of course. Yes. Everybody, look this up on the website. You can either press the link at the end of the episode, or just go on our website in the Serial's Portrait Gallery or the show notes. So, after that excellent thing, prepare to be underwhelmed oh. by what he really looks like. Well, we've had some really good coin <laughs> yeah. portraits lately, right? So, at some point... yeah. So here it is, and this is also why we can tell that it wasn't the guy from before, because like you can oh, tell that I it's see. a different, it's a different structure even. Oh, I like that we have the double-sided coin again, you know, with the writing on it and yeah. like with the full body and profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the left side we have a profile of a guy looking to the left with a pointy beard, and a diadem and shorter hair, mm -hmm. and a somewhat hooked nose and very like slim angular features overall. Yeah, very sharp. Very sharp, very triangle of a man. <laughs> yes. And on the other side of the coin, there's a full body kind of representation of, oh, he's got like a cape slash tunic slash, you know, draping thing. And some kind of, is that like some kind of crown or is it just the hat? The I feel like it's sort of a Phrygian cap. Yeah, that's what I I think figured. it's meant to be like the standard king with bow. <laughs> And, like, decorative trousers with kind of, like, decorative stripes on them and mm -hmm. holding a bow. You know, something similar we've had before. This is really cool. I like it. I like the double yeah. side, you know. Yeah, it's all right. It's nothing nothing crazy. I think it's fine. What would you rate this look? I'm... It's, like, eh, a four, because it has two sides and that's kind of cool. And it's also contemporary. I mean, all coins have two sides, to be fair. But... Yeah, but this has, like, you know... The decorations yeah. of both. Yeah. I mean... Of course, you can't make a coin with one side. Like, topologically. You can definitely try. <laughs> you can make a, a Mobius, Mobius coin. <laughs> <laughs> Mobius yes. coin. A hundred internet hilarious. points, who makes that one? <laughs> but no, I'm not terribly impressed. It's not very new. The face looks fine. It's a generic dude. Like, there's nothing that's making it pop. I'm honestly going down for a two, because your portrait makes this coin look like trash. Oh no! <laughs> Come on! Yeah, a two seems fine. It's another coin. Yeah. At this point, I'm yeah, there's getting a no bit tired with the coins. Woo, hooray, it's just meh. Okay, so with a two and a two, we get a one out of five for Face of Faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think he reigned? Uh... Two, two years? Three years? I don't know. Between two and five. <laughs> Correct. He reigned for four years between oh, yeah. okay. 126 and 122 BC, which is... It's understandable. He had to do a lot, and it was relatively neat time. 
So with uh, four years divided by 10, we get a 0.4 out of five for lengthiness. Which leads us to the final score of 14.4 out of 100, which places him just under Antiochus V and above Artaxerxes IV, which feels a bit harsh, but due to the sources we have, it's fair. <laughs> so, eh. Artabanus, the sort of okay, I guess, kind of. Eh. But that leads us to our final question, which is to say, is he unsourced enough? Is he having a cool serial portrait enough? Is he <laughs> leaving the Empire in turmoil enough to be called a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahan Nah? No, because he didn't do enough good, I guess, or reign for long enough to do anything worth yeah. noting. And he also didn't do bad enough. Like, he yeah, didn't he wreck did. the entire Empire because he did something wrong. Like, he was just, you know... Yeah, he tried his best. Yeah. Didn't work out all the time. So, whatever. The end. <laughs> One more dude. Yeah, not going to remember Artabanus. So, yeah, sorry Artabanus, you can go off into the desert, meet mm. either your father or your first year of reign, whichever yep. it was, who knows, the year you got a makeover. <laughs> and you can say that, hey, remember that carefully placed house of cards? There's no house of cards anymore. Mm. I hope our heir can do a better job. So... There we go. That is the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it, despite the lack of sources. We promise sources are coming eventually when the Romans begin to care. That is our curse. The Romans have to care. But yeah, so if you've enjoyed this, please tell your friends that we exist. Rate us and review us on your podcast app of choice. Share information of our existence around. Follow us on social media. We have a Twitter and a Facebook. And... Stay tuned for big news soon. Big news will be coming. Listen to these airwaves. That's all. But yeah, so we hope you enjoyed it, and you'll have a nice week. That's all. Goodbye. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>